your workouts don't have to be perfect. They have to get done. What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host. This week, I'm joined in studio by a new staff member guest, Linda Morgenthaler. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. Uh, remember, today we're going to talk about uh, following a program, being effective, and getting the most out of it, regardless of the program being of the highest quality or of 95% of what the highest quality could be or 10%. The idea is that consistency trumps perfection when perfection isn't done consistently. Uh, remember, if you're finding this podcast valuable, head to wherever you're listening to it. Leave us that five-star rating. Write a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're finding us. And of course, the greatest gift of all, share this with a friend. Linda, welcome Hi. to the show. Hi. Sean. Linda, should I tell people that you're coming to us from Germany or from Switzerland? Let's call it Switzerland. Let's call it Switzerland. Yeah. Is, but is it Germany or are we? I usually travel from Switzerland when I get here. It's, it's home, home for you is Switzerland. Yep. yep. Got it. That is a place. Every time I see one of those like Switzerland nature reels, I'm like, I need to find a reason to go to Switzerland. And every time I show it to you, you're like, come on out. That's everywhere. So We're ready. We're ready. The nature is definitely one of the most beautiful things, but we got good food too. Do you? Yep. I didn't know that. What's the good food in Switzerland? I, I know that, that sounds ridiculous, but like, what's Switzerland known for? We're famous for chocolate and cheese. Okay, so I knew about chocolate. I didn't know about yeah. cheese. Is the cheese actually that much different? It's compared to the stuff that you buy in groceries with a date that's two months out, three mm -hmm. months out. It's vastly different. Yeah. Is yeah. there a can you buy good aged cheese in the grocer yes, in Switzerland? Definitely. Usually, like you guys have a butcher's place, maybe mm -hmm. in the grocery to get fresh unpacked meat. Right. We have the same for cheese. So you go there and you got your pick of fresh cheeses that they cut from these huge 90 pound pieces of cheese. Right, a wheel that's been sitting in some exactly. wood cabinet for 24 <laughs> yep. years. And, and they, do they let you try like a little piece before they sell it to you? I think they stopped doing that. Yeah, I bet they did too. Yeah, that's I, I like I watch. You ever watch the uh, documentary Salt, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat? No, nope. it's a cooking documentary, and uh, there's four shows, four episodes. One is about salt. They go to Japan to talk about sea salt, um, uh, miso, and soy sauce. Then for fat, they go to Italy to talk about cheese and animal fats and oils, and then for acid, they go to Mexico to talk about honey. And for heat, I forget where she did heat. That might have been in her own kitchen. Uh, but the point is, she's sampling all these cheeses in Italy, and I'm like, oh, I want to like, I want to go do that. I want to taste the difference between a cheese that's aged for a year and a cheese that's aged for like three weeks. It's the same thing, just that one's older. Yeah, it's, it, I'd say it's like wine. If you're into it, you taste the difference. Mm -hmm. If you're not, for some people, it's just too strong. Really? So so it's yeah. not as noticeable in that way? Or it's just like, if you don't like that strong taste, mm -hmm. then I see. You, you can't tell the difference. Right, it's too much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm also always impressed. That, what do you speak, 17, 000, 17 languages? <laughs> not quite. Uh, seven. Seven. Uh, if you count those, then I just have a grasp of, but it's more than... Well, I just have people. a grasp of English. There you go. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my primary language. So I'm always impressed uh, when someone can do that. Uh, welcome on. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. 
I want to talk to you about, we were on a walk today and we were discussing uh, the success, frankly, that my wife is having working with you. So, uh, Kim, babe, we're going to talk about you this whole time. I already told Linda deep secrets. I want to know the things that uh, you are uncomfortable telling me because they're insecure blind spots. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But you were discussing that um, Kim is making such tremendous progress that it, it's hard for her to even see yeah. where she was before. And it's mostly a result of consistency, not the programming being perfect. Can you, as the person writing the programming, how does that work? How is that aligned? So put all the pride aside for a second. I mean, every coach would love to say, I've got the base programming. I've got the solution for you. I got the correct assessment to give you the best solution. But in the end, if the client doesn't do the program, it's worthless. Mm -hmm. And as in doesn't do, it's not like Kim didn't do it, but um, there were frequent gaps where there was a week where she only got two out of three, maybe a week where she didn't get any in, etc. And she went from that to being 98% consistent. So Over what period of time? Like meaning, she's been ninety eight percent consistent for what a week, a month, two months, uh, three we, months. We we track it back. Uh, we have measures that we use in our software, which is basically a week, a month, three months right. back, and you get like a number for each of them. Um, I usually go for a good mix of the number. So if one of them is off, I'll just ignore that. But if two out of three mm -hmm. are above ninety, that's amazing. Right. So she's she's above ninety on two yeah. out of three. Yeah. So okay. to to exemplify this, how I've seen her progress on this subject as I was working with her, um, she went from missing easily a week, maybe even two, when she went on a trip or a mm -hmm. weekend, because like things happen, right? We we all know how it goes. You're head of the family. You're packing stuff. Um, even when you get back, it takes you a while to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, because the stuff still needs to get unpacked. You want to make sure that, you know, you get the kids' stuff out first because now you're going to make sure that the kids can be handled because it makes your life easier. I can sort through my luggage to find my own yeah. stuff 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, she went from yeah. that to this morning. We crossed paths as I was getting ready to leave after my workout at the flagship. She came in to do her workout this morning, Friday morning, before she went on her weekend trip. Yeah. And that is a 180 degree turn. And here's where it becomes valuable. If you start doing these small things consistently of just pre-planning, let me get that Saturday workout in before I head out to the weekend. Mm -hmm. You are putting consistent rock pebbles in in places that you can follow along and that you can eventually build a full gravel street out of. Mm -hmm. I didn't know she was going in this morning. I thought that she, like she told me she wanted to get on the road by like 10 a.m., right? And anybody whose spouse exercises and puts exercise as a priority for them but hasn't always, I imagine can relate to some of what I'm about to say and that's, 
you know, I own a health and fitness company, really a personal development company disguised as a health and fitness company, but I own the company. And when she is missing the, some of the things that she's meant to do and will come to me, I'm like, I should not have this conversation with you. you. This is why Linda is in your corner. Our relationship is here. Your relationship is there. Um, and so it's been a huge help to have you do that. When I heard that she was leaving at 10 o'clock this morning, my immediate thought was, when are you going to exercise? You're dropping the kids off at school. You get back from that at like 9.45. If you get on the road at 10, when's the workout? And you're going to miss it. Now you're missing Saturday and Sunday and perhaps Monday. So when, is, and so when you showed me the picture, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. She went in. Um, did something change? Like, was there a conversation that you had, do you think? Or was it, a, how, how did it go from up, down, up, down to level? I'm, I'm not going to take credit for that because I think credit's due for Kim. Mm -hmm. for just making that thing happen, for making it a priority. The only thing that I did do is um, let her know that we can adapt things, that it's not. it doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be using the equipment she has at the gym. If she's out um, with her, at her parents' place and she can't bring anything, we can do a small movement piece there that doesn't need any weights, doesn't need any warm-up, uh, but still like builds on that consistency mm -hmm. and just getting the body moving, the blood flowing. Um, she didn't necessarily need that and take me up on it more than once or twice maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think that was one thing where she came to the realization it doesn't have to be perfect as long as I do it. So when you described her, when we started off, you were talking about the workouts can be imperfect. And as long as you're consistent with them, it's, it's even better than perfectly designed workouts done less consistently. Now, to be clear to everybody, of course, perfect workouts done consistently is better than imperfect workouts done consistently or, you know, Imperfect workouts done consistently. Like the point is, the perfect done well and often is better than anything else. But the point is, if that won't get done, that doesn't work. So, what is imperfect right now about the workouts that you're writing for Kim, or the workouts that she's doing? I think there's always a point of imperfect in workouts, as you should always be on the way to the next thing. What so. Do you mean? So obviously you get, you want to get to the top sc um, scale and end of things like the, the top end movement, the mm -hmm. top end weight, uh, but you can't work at, let's say at 99% capacity all the time. If we have ups and downs, uh, we're still putting skills in place. So it would be great to be working on a, top-notch weight, top-notch movement with someone, but you just have to take the steps. So in that sense, I think it's imperfect. Um, in another sense, I do think it's the right thing for her right now. It's so perfect if, sh if she gets after it. If I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying there is 
it's imperfect in a sense that she's not at the weights we would necessarily like her to be doing. She's doing a little bit less volume than perhaps we would like her to be doing right now. And having less weight, less intensity, and less volume is what's allowing her mentally to go in and do it consistently. And so we have to be able to do this and make this the new baseline so that we can challenge from here, both physically and mentally. Is that is that accurate? Yes. Yep. Does that not make the program that she's doing right now perfect though? Like does does it doesn't it make it perfect for what it is she needs right now? Yep. yep. So the the difference between perfect and what you're describing, like perfect and perfect for Kim, is you're describing it in a way that it's what you know she's physically capable of right now is A. What you know she's mentally and physically capable of combined right now is B. And so perfect would be A. What she's doing is B, which is the next best thing for her, which gets her to A. Is that yeah. is that true? And now think of it this way. If you give someone an A, today that might work out. Tomorrow it might be too much and they need more recovery. Mm-hmm. Or they walk out feeling, well, that wasn't fun. And so they might miss the next session. Mm-hmm. So when I'm writing a, a program for a client, I always try to get a little bit of what they want to be doing or think they need to be doing and some stuff that I know from the assessment and the capabilities that they need to be doing Mm -hmm. to give them a bit of, okay, you have to do this, but you get to do this as well. Well, the interesting thing is this is the part where I've had conversations with people who write or who use AI, artificial intelligence for, for program design. And what I've explained, my, my contention for why that is a, a good tool for building a backbone for a training program, but regardless of the fact that a good training program is generally speaking a linear progression of a bunch of different things, it will fall short because there is a psychological element to the exercises that are selected, the number of reps, the weight, the time durations. All of that is a personal decision right? It's, it's, this person needs to do well today. I remember when I used to program for, uh, a lot of CrossFit games athletes, if I gave them a week or two in a row where they were struggling with everything they were doing, I knew that was good for them physically, but I would watch their mental state get rocked. And so I would start to program things for them that I knew they would do well in to preserve their confidence. There isn't a linear progression for that. And it sounds like that's what you're describing doing for Kim. Yeah, yeah. Because in the end, what we want to shoot for is to keep them doing it for as long as possible, for as consistently as possible, because mm-hmm. the consistency will will trump other small imperfections. And it, we always we chase the next big thing, right? The quick fixes, the 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 six day detox, lose ten pounds. That's how we market it too, and. Um, that sounds sexy, and it, it doesn't sound sexy. Let's do 1% improvement this week. It's funny. I um, I was discussing with somebody. I think it was Kim. It might have been somebody else, though. The idea that, like, I could help somebody who weighs 180 to 190 pounds, who has more than 10% body fat. I could help them lose 30 pounds in two weeks. I could not help them do that safely. I could not help them do that sustainably. 
I could not help them do that in a way that preserves their health. I could just have them dehydrate. I could have them um, go uh, catabolic as much as possible for those days. It's, it's what a fighter does previous to a fight. I wrestled. I know how to do that. Not the way that world-class people do it, but I know how to do it. And in that conversation, I was like, wow, that's a lot of weight to lose in that amount of time. It's like, yeah, and it's not healthy, but it's, it's doable. So when you get marketed at from somebody who put themselves in an unhealthy position to show you a before photo and an after photo over a two-week span or a 30-day span when they, they, they disrespected their body for the sake of the photo to get you to buy the thing, that sets the baseline in a place that's unreasonable and that is inappropriate. And so now what happens is it's you write a program for somebody, they're not getting results to come at that speed, and they see online, these are the foods that are probably changing your hormones and holding you back from losing weight. It's, it's not the one thing. It's that post plus the one of the person who lost 30 pounds in, in 30 days plus the one of the person who got rid of all of their cardio to lose weight, plus the person who said, I eliminated broccoli, plus the person who said, I, I added lemon water in the morning. All of those things added up, and it starts to question the efficacy of the work that the coach is doing with the client. Do you follow me? Yep. What you're describing is the consistency is the most important thing to do for a client. Yep. How do you instill that in people when they're not seeing the results that they want at the rate that they want to see them? So an easy thing to fall back on is mathematically how much 1% uh, improvement a week adds up in a, in a year. And it, that adds up to 70%. 1% this week and then it, it compounds week to week, right? Mm -hmm. For people who are doubting you, by the way, we put this into an actuarial calculator before we did so we get the numbers right. It's like 67.77%. We're rounding up to 70 because it sounds better for a podcast. That's the thing, exactly. Um, and you get lost in the weeds. You don't see that 1%. So one of the best tools I found is to go back further and compare three months back, five months back to the last retest mm -hmm. and then pull those results up and tell the client, listen, look at where you were three months ago. We were using the seven pound dumbbell. Now you're using the 12, 15 pound. And that's when it clicks where they see that 1% every week add up to a result. Mm -hmm. And the longer you look back, even small up and downs, or especially small downs, will be compensated. And it feels like... What do you mean they'll be compensated? Because uh, we, we don't improve linearly. I see. So the 1% per week is really mathematical. Right. It, you will probably more feel like plus 2% mm -hmm. this week, the week after minus 1.5, mm -hmm. and then the week after plus 2.5. Right. And so it... It averages out. It's interesting you say that. There's a, there's a, a story about um, Warren Buffett, I believe, in the year 2008 when the stock market crashed and the housing market crashed. And someone said to him, you lost $20 billion, something ridiculous like that. How do you handle losing that money emotionally? And he's like, what are you talking about? I haven't lost anything. And they said, well, yeah, yes, you have. The market is down. And he said, well, I, I haven't pulled money out. And so I haven't realized any losses. If I keep it in, the market will go back up. 
And what you're describing is the same thing, except it's not stocks. It's weight, it's human performance, it's all of these things. It's the idea that um, some days feel great. Some weeks feel great. Some days feel bad. Some weeks feel bad. Some days you see the weight go down the way you want it to. Other days you see the weight go up the way that you dislike. Uh, the time of day can change everything. All of this to say, if you stay consistent over a long enough period of time, when you look back at it, the results are going to be undeniable. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, anything will work for the first six weeks. Mm -hmm. That's what makes program hopping and the detox and, and the, was it broccoli, avocado? I forget what the yeah, magic food was. Pick your favorite. Uh, right? That, that was makes it appealing because if you switch and you get into new things and you're consistent, that you will see a change the first six weeks. But uh, as, as soon as you pass that mark, you, you're going to have to be looking for incremental consistent changes. Yep. Um, in, in your weight loss example, you will start to gain the weight back by then because it's been something that you can't sustain. Mm -hmm. And then it 